One million. One million people across the globe have been diagnosed with the novel virus, SARS-CoV-2. And that's a sombering number to cross. You know, we would never want anyone to have their health compromised in any way. When we talk about, you know, in sickness and health, we want people to be well. It's sombering to hear that our world right now is dealing with such a pandemic. But there's always a good side. There's always someone out there advocating for those who are less vulnerable or those that will be vulnerable due to the pandemic. And on today's podcast, I am excited. I am elated that I will be able to speak with the president of the American Medical Student Association, Dr. Isaiah Cochran, who's here today to talk about some initiatives that AMSA is doing, as well as talking about COVID in general and how medicine can shine through the darkness. So let's get to it. All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you again for coming to another episode of Coloring Health Policy when we're focusing on making sure health policy and showing how it impacts minorities. Today with me, I have the president of the American Medical Student Association, Dr. Isaiah Cochran, on the show. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. So excited to be on with you. Um, as Faith said, I am uh, Isaiah Cochran. I am the current national president of the American Medical Student Association. My term ends April 30th. I'm very sad. I've been in this position <sighs> from uh, since last May, so May 2019. But I will be the immediate past president and will forever be involved with ANSA in some shape or form. And I am heading off to Daytona Beach, Florida to Halifax uh, Medical Center for my uh, family medicine residency. So very excited for that. Awesome. Congratulations on that. That is the dream that we are all trying to get to is to residency. So, you know, just wanting to start off the podcast in the episode, you know, I really do want to make sure that we talk about what's going on in our world today, which is, um, you know, the coronavirus or SARS COVID-2. Um, how are you feeling about like you know the sudden changes regarding the virus? So uh, I am feeling quite uh, calm and optimistic, mm -hmm. and I know that these are very difficult times for individuals. And you know, uh, in my role as AMSA president, and in my role as a citizen of the United States and of the end of the world, I am doing what I can to help everybody that I can. And of course, I'm doing the basic things such as practicing social distancing and washing my hands. But I also see this as a grand opportunity to really fight uh, to achieve to mitigate many disparities that exist, especially those in healthcare. What disparities do you, you know, let's get into that. What disparities are you seeing that, you know, the virus has kind of brought to the forefront? I think number one, the disparities between those who have uh, 
jobs that are uh, more stable, if you will, and, and, and those jobs that are more service based. And you know, we know that the service industry and restaurant industry is very affected right now by this. And so you have so many people who are now zero hour employees are laid off or have lost mm. their jobs and they now are filing for unemployment. Uh, I think the unemployment uh, rate uh, is predicted to go to around uh, 20%. There are currently wow. 10 million. Yeah, there's currently 10 million individuals who have uh, filed for unemployment over the last two weeks. And the system is not this, the unemployment system was not set up to be able to absorb that number of people mm. applying for unemployment. So that's one thing right there. And uh, I'll just say that all of those people who are no longer have a job or are zero hour employees are struggling to pay rent, are struggling to uh, afford food for their families. And that's not good. And then a subsection of that population has now lost healthcare because they might not be working or they might have been laid off or lost their job. And so those are individuals who now, if they get sick with COVID or any other uh, uh, disease or disorder, they're not going to be able to uh, afford their healthcare. And that is not okay because as we all know, healthcare is a human right. But what this also highlights- and, Amen. Uh, uh, the major, exactly. And what this highlights is that you know, we need to have healthcare for all. It, it's it, it's not a it's not a it's a it's not a luxury. It's something is it's just a fact. And I this is one disparity that is being just highlighted and emphasized by uh, COVID nineteen. Mm, definitely. I mean, there's um I've just noticed. You know, I feel like daily I'm getting like inundated with so many disparities that people haven't even thought of was disparities, whether it's, you know, the educational field, as you mentioned, the unemployment and employment field and the differences between those who have and have not. And really, um, I know that um, Governor Cuomo um, even said like this virus is a great equalizer. But even then, like I noticed when I was on um, Twitter, someone mentioned like how that's not even true because I mean, it's the equalizer in terms of, yes, you'll get the virus, but some people may get it and recover and some may, may not. And that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing high um, death rates and particularly we don't really know yet the stats, but I don't know how if you've seen on um, within your social media, but in mine personally, I've seen a lot more um, minorities passing away from the disease and I've seen more those who are non minorities getting better. So do you think there's possibly due to like the already disparities within our health system causing those things? And you know, Faith, I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer your question directly, but I do want to say, uh, I, as a gay African-American male, I am very attuned to disparities that exist due to race and disparities that ex exist due to uh, someone's sexuality. But one thing I want to say that we all, as a, uh, as, a, as a society, must keep in mind that when it comes to people's socioeconomic status, typically that is one of the biggest, mm. biggest determinants of health. So unfortunately, there are more people of color who end up falling into lower socioeconomic classes. But I don't want to leave out any race or gender sexuality from those from from this category of folks who have a lower socioeconomic status. I believe, as you've stated, that more than likely, many of the people who have uh, less means are, are the ones who are being affected. And, and primarily because if we think about even pre-COVID, right, these people are the ones who typically have higher rates of 
you know, underlying conditions, chronic diseases. And we all know that underlying uh, conditions tends, is one of the deleterious things that can affect our patients in any circumstance, specifically COVID-19, because it's novel. We don't have the, the means of fighting this virus as we typically would. So yes, and, and, and now to kind of step into the direct question, when it comes to race, again, unfortunately, too many brown and, and black people fall into that level of lower socioeconomic status. But I, I do want to be fair to everyone here and say that I am very aware that when it comes to these disparities, a lot of folks now are struggling, and, and especially those who don't have the means. So I know Governor Como. I have a lot of respect for him, and I, I don't know him personally, but I know of him. I don't want that to get misinterpreted, but I, I know that he has said that this is a great uh, equalizer, and, and I have to disagree in, in the sense that those who already have more are going to have the access to the health care, that those who don't have those means uh, are not going to have access to that health care. So yes, we're all susceptible to this, but we all uh, there's different levels of 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 ways that folks are going to be able to combat this disease. No, I think that's a uh, very insightful way of looking at it. And it's just something that, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people see the nuances that this virus is bringing out. And one thing I just want to transition here um, very quickly is like, how has your role changed now? as president of AMSA, like what are like some new responsibilities that you have to take on in order to make sure that, you know, you are still advocating for patients and for medical students in this time? You know, the thing about AMSA is, and I'm going to give you like a 30 second pitch for AMSA, but the thing about <laughs> AMSA is uh, this organization has been around for 70 years and we have been doing work to address disparities from the beginning. In the 50s, when we initiated in 1950, we were there uh, and stood alongside many leaders in the civil rights movement. We fought for Medicare and Medicaid, uh, the initiation of it. We were responsible for the establishment of Earth Day. Uh, we've been there for medical students all through the way, fighting for the 80-hour work week for residents, uh, fighting uh, the conflicts of interest when it comes to medical education in regard to pharma and med device companies to make sure we have evidence-based learning and medicine practice. The point I'm trying to highlight is my role has been uh, emboldened by this. And mm -hmm. I say this in a way where I'm not like happy that this is happening, but this has really uh, highlighted so many things that AMSA has been fighting for day in and day out, year after year after year. This is, we are not new to this game. Uh, and so we see this as a as a crisis and one that we have to address right now, certainly. But it is very important for us to understand that we and AMSA, I know that the leaders and our staff strongly understands it. And I, and I have to say, uh, Jamie Theris Gates, our uh, CEO, has been very, very helpful uh, along this journey with me, especially over the last three weeks. And very, very uh, helpful when it comes to helping me reach out to medical students. Uh, so we're doing a couple things. Our national convention, which is our 70th annual convention, we the staff has worked tirelessly to con to flip that over to a virtual convention. Where I, and while I've had the opportunity to work with uh, some of our leaders and some of our staff members on multifaceted response to COVID, not only to comfort our students during this time and comfort their family members, but to also empower them to help them understand that now is the time. Uh, we had Dr. Mm. Donald Berwick actually speak to us on Monday in a video session that we've been doing a video series. And 
he said it perfectly. He said right now is a testing point, a testing point for all of us to look at and know that we will pass it. We do not want to go back to normal. We don't want to go back to the way things were before COVID. We want to come out of COVID and be better than before. Hmm. I mean, that point right there, what do you mean like by better than before? I know that we have, you know, a lot of people are comparing COVID, um, this pandemic to that of what we saw in like, you know, 1918 and um, comparing it to how that led to like the New Deal outcome in terms of like changing how, you know, healthcare was done, economic system, basically how America was formed and shaped. Do you think that we're in the same situation that we will have a new America after this pandemic? I think we'll have a new America if we all unite. I really mm. do. This is this is this is an opportunity and I'm talking from political realms to to outside of politics. We need the money, the 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 power and greed needs to we need to let go of that and we need to look at ourselves and look at our fellow citizens and say that we're all in this together. And this COVID-19 highlights that if one person gets sick, that's not good because if that person's sick, then they can get someone else sick. We all need to be healthy, which is why we all need to have equal access to health care. So that way, if one person gets sick, not only are we treating them to treat that person, but we're also helping everybody else so that they don't get sick as well. So I think this is a great opportunity for us. And I do think that we will come through this uh, time period and we will be better. And, I, and I, it is my hope that we stop seeing all of the bipartisan politics. It is my hope that we come out of this and maybe we will get health care for all. Maybe this is what it mm -hmm. took. Maybe this is what it maybe. Unfortunately, it took a pandemic for us to get to in order to get to health care for all. Mm. No, that's. I, I I believe the same thing. I've had several conversations, you know, and I feel like, you know, it's harder with the older generation in terms of like our parents and understanding what healthcare for all means. And in trying to see that now, I think this pandemic kind of helped them to see that, oh, this is why you guys are advocating for this. Um, they kind of think it's like a young people kind of movement. But when they're seeing, you know, their friends getting laid off, they're seeing like people that had a job for years no longer have a job, I think it's definitely changing their mindset. And um, I just want to transition. I'm just curious, you know, like you're saying, AMSA has always been at the forefront of a lot of things in history, which is amazing. And it's great to hear that AMSA has always been that leader. I'm I'm just curious what leads um, currently that you guys are doing for medical students and trying to make sure that, you know, they feel comfortable and supported through this period. Are you guys taking on? Yeah, so uh, currently uh, we are holding a, a, a multifaceted uh, kind of campaign. And uh, number one, we are uh, hosting a video series where we have experts on the uh, medical side and advocacy side as well as uh, political side. So uh, we've all, we've had Dr. Pamela Weibel, who's a family medicine physician and focuses a lot on uh, mental health. In fact, she's been uh, deemed the guardian angel of physicians. Uh, we just had Dr. Donald Berwick, who was the administ former administrator for the Centers of Services of Medicare, Medicare and Medicaid. He also worked under the Obama and Clinton administration. And tonight we actually have uh, Dr. Gary Leroy, who is my former Dean of Student Affairs at uh, Wright State University Boonshaw School of Medicine, as well as the current president of the American Academy of Family Physicians. So we have all of these experts here, and he's gonna speak more on MedEd, uh, but we have all of these experts to kind of uh, provide feedback to our students and give an answer 
questions that our students have on Dr. Weibel spoke about wellness during this time period. Dr. Berwick talked about using this time period as an opportunity to reform medicine. And then Dr. Mm. Leroy is going to be, yes, and Dr. Leroy is going to be speaking about uh, med ed and some of the changes that are probably going to happen in med ed following this and the, and how students can react currently uh, because many students have been pulled from rotations. Many students have had their step exams paused. So we have that expert advice that, that we're drawing on. We also have, in conjunction to that, roundtables where students from all over the country can come together. So after the uh, event with uh, Dr. Leroy tonight, um, from 8 to 8.45 p.m., I'm going to be on a roundtable uh, with students from all over the country talking about MedEd and just ideas and concerns that they have. And so what we're doing is acting as an incubator. And that's one great uh, asset and, and one great thing that AMS has always been as an incubator for thoughts and ideas of medical students. So we're bringing these students together from all over so that they can feel comforted by one another and also have that social interaction with one another. The next step uh, to that is, uh, and if you check out uh, amsa.org slash COVID-19, we also have an advocacy, some advocacy pursuits that we're doing. So uh, namely, we are, uh, we have a uh, call-in script uh, in regards uh, to reach out to our legislators to get more uh, personal protective equipment. We are working with the uh, Lower Drug Prices Now campaign. We actually have been a part of them as a coalition member for about a year now. We are the only medical organization professional or student that's a part of this campaign and we're working with the lower drug price lower drug lower drug prices now campaign on a virtual um tour where we're going to be going around the country speaking about the importance of having uh accessible medications uh we have partnered with get us PPE, get us ppe.org and mass for america uh, to help them with their pursuits we are working with students for covid um, so we are doing a lot of things. We also have a letter that uh, I would implore you all to sign on uh, to challenge the racist, racist rhetoric that's mm. uh, going on ar ar around uh, COVID-19. So we're doing a lot of things. And this is all a lead up to our convention, because at our convention, we have an advocacy day that was centered around a few other topics before COVID-19 came along. But now one of the core focuses will be COVID-19. And again, not only how we can address this current pandemic and make sure that we have legislation to help all Americans during this pandemic, but we're doing it to be able to empower our future physicians. And we invite all future physicians to be a part of our convention because we're empowering each other to be able to go out and achieve the things that Dr. Berwick spoke to us about. And that is how we get out and reform medicine to make sure that every person in the country has access to healthcare with no questions being asked. Wow. Like like you said, AMSA, AMSA doing their thing out there, huh? <laughs> We're trying. Great. We're I trying. Mean, that's amazing to hear. And I'm pretty sure um, a lot of medical students, once, you know, they hear things like that, they're like, okay, I want to be a part of something that's, that's actually trying to change how things are going. And like you mentioned before, I mean, after this, people are going to want change and the change that they want to see is something different than what they've been experiencing. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm at the end of my questions. I have this like last minute segment that is called be on the lookout for, you know, what should policies, you know, things that, you know, right now we're dealing with COVID and COVID is the thing, but what are some things that we should be on the lookout for that are, you know, maybe not so much COVID, but battles that we should be aware of that are occurring? 
in terms of policy and advocacy? Yeah, so I think that it's important to uh, keep in mind that, and, and, and I know I've said COVID is highlighting so many things, so I guess it's unfair for me to say that without actually listing what those are. So I first want to share with you that uh, AMSA has been doing work around reproductive health for a long period of time. More specifically, we just received a grant last year to do work around abortion-related care. I'm sure you've heard that there are states out mm. there that are trying to get rid of abortion during this time because they're Crazy. saying that... Yeah, because they're using they're using COVID and the social distancing, distancing as a way to say, we can't, we can't do this. This is not the time. We cannot do abortions. This they're using so so essentially what's happening is any opportunity that they can find to 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 reach their agenda and, and achieve what they think is right they're going to use quite unfortunate this is also a time where and 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 uh where our pharma companies are using their stance to yes they're helping us develop these uh, vaccinations to fight covid but one thing that i want all members of community to realize of our community to realize is especially medical students is that for too long, pharma companies have engaged in what we call price gouging. Mm -hmm. What they like to say is that they will, they use taxpayer money because they need the taxpayer money in order to be able to do the research that allows for them to conduct uh, and in order to develop new uh, pharma, pharmaceutical drugs and, and vaccines. But the fact of the matter is they're abusing taxpayer money because we're paying for them to do their work. But these big pharma companies who are making billions and billions of dollars, Eli Lilly, for example, uh, they are not paying any tax. They're not paying any tax, no tax dollars. Wow. They're paying nothing. Zero, zero. And, and, and I'm not here to get into politics, but what I'm going to say with the current administration, we're not going to see the change we want to see. I am not, mm. AMSA is nonpartisan, but progressive. I will say that again. AMSA is nonpartisan, but progressive. We actually have a campaign called Met Out the Vote because we believe it is so very important for students in the medical profession, for residents and for attendings to get out to vote because for far too long, healthcare and healthcare related topics have been on the ballot, but we have not been there to use our voice. It's time mm. now to use our voice. So one thing that I will say that before I get off, of, uh, before we end this podcast is that the one thing you must do is vote. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you what party to vote for, but vote and keep in mind, it's not just a vote for you, but a vote for your career, a vote for the field of medicine, a vote for your community. So with that being said, uh, the reproductive health is something that's very important to keep in mind. Drug pricing is something very important to keep in mind. We have to hold the pharma companies accountable because we're not in there. They don't have our needs in their best interest. Their interests are to their stakeholders, okay? And we need to make sure to remember that. So it is upon us to make sure that we put people in office who are going to hold them accountable. Uh, to take it a step further, this is a great opportunity for everybody to realize that in the states, yes, we might not have to deal with a lot of issues like pandemics and, and whatnot, but there are a lot of countries who are still afflicted with HIV AIDS, and this is their mm. normal. There are a lot of uh, countries who are dealing with uh, issues such as this. There are war-torn countries, and so this is new for us, but for other countries, this is their normal. Bringing mm. it back to the United States, there are many people who are out there who live day to day not being able to to afford things and they live paycheck to paycheck. And this and this is highlighting that because what's happening is those who have money in reserve 
are okay right now, but those folks who are hardworking American citizens, those people who are in the restaurant industry or even actors who are aspiring actors and actresses, they're, they're trying to make it. Young individuals, young individuals in professional fields, I'm sure many of you uh, who are in medical school or law school, you know, maybe don't have the support uh, from your parents or your parents are supporting you, but they don't have the financial means to support you. So now you're put in a sticky situation. So there's a lot going on. What about our Lyft and Uber drivers? So many mm -hmm. of us use them on a day-to-day -day basis. Those people are not getting the same number of rides as they're getting. This is, this is a multifactorial uh, issue. And I'm telling you right now, as physicians and future physicians, we, this is our time. We have to rise to the moment because we're going to be able to change so much and do so much good. And I, I really want to challenge you again on what Dr. Berwick said to all of us. Uh, Dr. Donald Berwick, please look him up. It's, it's not enough anymore to just go to medical school and do well in your classes and, and, and match into the residency of your choice. We have respect as physicians in the community. And we need to use that respect and take it and jump into the political arena because now medicine has been politicized and we need to use our voices. Uh, I really hope this has all made sense to you. And you know, I'm so committed to this that I'm actually going to share my personal contact information because this is, this is a together, this is a fight that I want to do together with everybody. Um, you can reach me at, uh, 330-814-2694. Again, my phone number is 330-814-2694. I would love to speak with you and work with you in any way that I can and get you plugged in into whatever area you want to get involved with, because I know together we will uh, reach the goals that we all want to. Ooh, Dr. Cochran. Ooh, you sure you're not a preacher, Cochran? <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like you just shared like a whole message, a word, word a meal, just, and it was just so enlightening. And I'm pretty sure, you know, our li the listeners will definitely appreciate what you've just said. And I mean, for you to even share, you know, your personal number that to me, that tells you that you're committed to this and you really do want to change, you know, what our environment is right now and for our future. So again, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. I'm pretty sure you have left an enriching message that I'm sure will be translated down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate this opportunity. Whew. Dr. Cochran left us with a lot to think about. And I and I want you guys to feel on, you know, color and health policy that you are being able to take away something from this podcast. So I just want to summarize some key points that Dr. Cochran made. One, if you are a health professional out there listening to this podcast, make sure you vote for 2020. Make sure you get out there and your voice is heard. We, we don't care who you vote for. That's none of our business and none of our concern. But the fact that your voice is heard is what we care about. And making sure that you understand that health policy, just as Dr. Cochran says, is now an issue that's on the ballot. So when you're voting, you're voting for this. You're voting for your career. You're voting for your patients. So let's take that seriously. Two, he definitely mentioned and advocated for us getting more involved in health policy. It's super essential that we have healthcare professionals involved in health policy. I can't even stress that even more than he did. So I'm just going to move on to my next point. And he left us actually at the beginning of this podcast, you know, 
I talked about how there's over a million cases of COVID out there. But you know, one thing that I loved about Dr. Cochran on this podcast, the first thing he said is like, I'm optimistic. And I was like, wow. You know, uh, in a time where, you know, a lot of people are concerned with staying in place orders and concerned about, you know, what's going to happen, the level of anxiety, I think it's always positive that we have someone or just ourselves are thinking with an optimistic outlook. There is going to be a bright light at the end of this tunnel, you know? And if you felt after listening to this podcast, you were left wanting more, then hit that subscribe button. And keep subscribing and keep listening to Color and Health Policy because we can only go up from here. So I'm planning on bringing so many good um, guests onto this podcast. So guess what? Keep listening. And then two, tell a friend. Tell a friend the importance of health policy. Tell a friend the importance of getting involved. Until next time, this is Coloring Health Policy.